Welcome to Team Building Cultures, the podcast designed to deliver tools and tips for improving team communication, collaboration, and fostering a culture where teams thrive. Now, here's your host, Beverly Hathorne, owner of Strategic HR Consultants. Hello, listeners, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Team Building Cultures. Today, I'll be speaking with Mr. John Henney. John is a top vocal coach, and today we're going to discuss the power of your speaking voice. You will learn how to enhance your communication skills and gain more confidence in your speaking voice communication skills. John is a top vocal coach, and he's going to help us improve the sound of our voice so that we're more confident, effective communicators, and how to overcome the fears of speaking in meetings, presentations, or public settings. We will also discover the hidden power of our compelling speaking voice and be more effective and confident. Thank you so much for joining me today, John. I'm really excited to get started. Thank you for having me. This will be awesome. So tell us, how did you uh, become a a vocal uh, coach? How did that come about? I mean, you've obviously got the voice, but how did you decide that that's what you were going to do? It was not a straight path for me. I actually thought I was one of those who could not sing and turned my musical interest towards drumming and began drumming at a young age. By the time I was in my late teens, I started earning earning money and playing professionally and uh, played professionally through most of my 20s. At a certain point in my early 20s, I thought, you know, maybe I should take a few voice lessons just to see I could do some background vocals that helps you get more jobs as a drummer, a little more employable. And a roommate of mine began studying with a person who studied with Stevie Wonder's teacher. And I went, that's good enough for me. And (laughs) I started taking lessons and discovering how the mechanics of the voice work and how I could overcome what I thought were my obstacles and my limitations. And then I ended up moving on and working with Stevie Wonder's voice teacher himself and then began training other voice teachers and teaching them as well as working with singers. And at a certain point, uh, voice users began to come to me. And I realized that what works for singers, not just the mechanics and the technique, but also the musical devices and the way singers can communicate and really hold on to an audience, these devices work for speakers as well. So I I modified everything and created uh, programs for speakers. Awesome. That sounds wonderful. And uh, I am one who doesn't necessarily appreciate their voice. So I'm sure you run into people who say that all the time. Why do people not like their voice? Well, our own experience of our voice is different from what other people hear. We've all experienced that. You hear recording and you think, do I sound like that? And the answer is, unless, yes, unless it's a terrible recording, that's what you sound like to others. Our experience of the voice is the voice is moving away from us and heading towards other people. So it's it starts off like someone has their back turned to us and they're talking in terms of our ears. So nature has compensated for that and our bones will transmit the vibration to the ear. However, the bone 
doesn't transmit higher frequencies very well. It transmits lower frequencies. So it makes our voices sound richer, more resonant to ourselves. And it's not what other people are hearing. Now, having said that, if you still find you dislike your voice, I promise you, unless there is some type of physical damage or there is a neurological issue, your voice can sound fantastic and uniquely like you. Well, my voice is definitely uniquely me. I can, t- <laughs> I can tell you that. No one else has this voice. so No, it's your voice kind is of- wonderful, though. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's um, lighter and younger. It's younger than I really am. I've, I have people call the house like telemarketers and salespeople and they'll ask for my mom or dad when I answer the phone. And I'm like, I am the mom and the dad. So, you know, you can talk to me. <laughs> but um, what is it about a confident speaker that actually captivates us. You're definitely a confident speaker. And I I can tell that uh, your attendees enjoy listening to you. So what is it that captivates us like that? What really captivates us is the speaker's ability to connect. And this happens on a couple of levels. On the spoken word level, using different devices to keep your speech interesting so that we don't kind of fall into rote patterns that become predictable. That gets boring quite quickly and people will tune you out. So using such elements as as range, tempo, even accents, giving stress to different words, what that does is that creates pattern interrupts as people listen to you and that reawakens and reignites their attention. This is what singers do all the time. The other important element is utilizing emotional intentions. And when we are in business meetings, when when things feel a little routine, it can become easy to just go through the motions. You walk out at the beginning of a business meeting and you just give a greeting because you're about to go through a PowerPoint slide. Hello, how's everyone doing? Okay, let's get going. If your emotional intention was to connect. Then you're going to walk out and you're going to say, hey, how's everyone doing today? Okay, I'm really glad we're here. I have some really important things to show you. There's going to be this different emotional context to the voice. And we as human beings, we're highly socialized. We, our antennas are tuned to this. So we pick up on these subtleties. This is how we can know nothing about acting but every one of us can spot a bad acting performance. We know emotional honesty and context. And that connection, people will also read as being charismatic. Oh, okay. Um, So it's the interest that you generate uh, when you're speaking to keep from being so monotone and uh, normal and the way that things normally are. And, you know, I can relate to that on a much smaller scale because I have a class that I attend a couple of days a week. And every day when I walk in the class, I say, hola. And everybody turns around and smiles and says, hey there. You know, I, I don't just walk in and say, hello, everybody. How you guys doing? I say, hello. And it gets 
uh, first their attention, they know it's me, but they turn around and they smile and they say, they return that same energy that I'm generating. They, they come back with that same energy. So yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying there. And uh, I'm going to be working on that. So some of us have a fear of public speaking. What do you think causes that? Well, there are some different theories, but what it seems to be is it's a very deep-rooted fear. And if you think about many, many thousands of years ago, when we existed in small groups, if you were ostracized from the group, you would very likely perish. So this fear of rejection, which stays with us even though in modern societies, that's not a problem. If one group doesn't care for your speech, you're not going to be forced to wander in the wilderness alone. And it really is ego-driven. And I don't mean ego in the way of thinking that you're, you're wonderful. It's ego in the sense of the self. And when we become turned to the self, we begin to worry and the self wants to protect. And that's where that fear comes from. When I feel that fear, because there's always gonna be a certain amount of butterflies for high pressure situations, speaking to a large group. And actually a bit of that is good. But at a certain point, then it begins to impact our ability to perform. When I feel that what I do is I remind myself that I am not here for me. I am here for those who've assembled, and my job is to connect with them. And then I also give the audience permission to not like me. It's their right anyway. So I say, it's okay. You don't have to like what I have to say. But for those that I can impact who need to hear this, I owe it to them to focus on them. And for me, that really dissipates the overwhelming stage fright. Okay, so once you give them permission to um, maybe not like you or not agree with what you say, now you've removed the need to please the entire audience and to be 100%, um, gain 100% input and 100% approval. So now you're just going for the number of people who you can help and your message delivered to them is going to help them. So in a way, you take away the, the chance of losing and make it a win for yourself when you do that. Is what Absolutely, and you remove, you remove their power for people to not like you. Mm -hmm. Because none, none, of mm -hmm. us, none of us want others to not like us. I mean, that's how social media games that, right? It's, it's right. likes, likes. And every time we see that someone likes something, we get a little dopamine hit. And, yeah. and social media is good at exploiting that. But when you just take that away, because you can't stop someone from not liking you. So let it go. Give them permission. It's okay. That's interesting. I never really thought about it like that, you know, because I, I go out on stage wanting to get 100% approval which is impossible, which probably is what ignites that butterflies and that anxiety and all of that that goes on. So I'll just consider, well, you know, er, this, this won't be for everybody, you know, but for the ones that it is for, I will do my very best. 
that, and you may yeah. get 100% approval. But, yeah. you're, but you have a much better chance if you're not worried about it. Right, right. That's interesting. So what are some of the mistakes that you would say we make with our voices when we speak? Um, I know you did mention, you know, try to add some inflection, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, a different accent or something like that. But what are some of the mistakes that you would say we make with our voices? One of the big ones is just neglecting the voice, neglecting your vocal health, not understanding that it's essentially ligament muscle covered by soft tissue. It's about the size of your thumbnail. And this, your career, your ability to sell, your ability to lead, to impact people, comes from this bit of soft tissue. And as humans, the number one way we connect emotionally is with the voice. And if you abuse the voice, it's just like anything else in the human body. It can start to fail you. So people who the voice needs rest, the voice needs hydration. You need to make sure you're properly hydrated. We need this thin layer of mucus on the vocal folds or the vocal cords. Otherwise, it's like trying to buzz your lips when they're really dry. Trumpet players mm. lick their lips when they go to play because that moisture aids in the vibration. But we have to keep uh, moisture not drinking to excess, being careful if you have reflux, all of these things that can impact your voice. And the other big mistake, and this is both in terms of the sound of the voice and also health, is your general speaking pitch. Sometimes people speak a little too high, but most people, because they think it projects authority, they start to speak too low. And when I speak too low, I don't have enough energy in the voice. And it's harder for people to hear me. And in order to get more energy from that, you're gonna end up squeezing your vocal cords together and they're gonna to smack together with more intensity. And that's like clapping your hands really, really hard. And your vocal cords are vibrating hundreds of times a second. So when you increase that energy, you're going to tire out your vocal cords. They're going to start to swell. You're going to feel hoarseness. You're going to need to clear your throat. And actually, it's not so much the pitch you speak on. It's really the resonance. I can speak on this pitch. And what I can do is I can just leave all the high resonance and it sounds like I'm speaking higher. And then I can add in more resonance and it sounds like I'm speaking lower. But I didn't change the pitch. And so that's how it really is resonance. Don't speak too low. Let resonance enrich your voice. Awesome. Yeah. So what are, are there any activities that we can, uh, or exercises that we can practice to, uh, you mentioned we need to keep our voice healthy, just like everything else. What can we do? Uh, you told us some, some things that we should not do, which, you know, like excessive alcohol, don't let your throat get dry, stay hydrated. Do we have any activities or exercises that maybe we should practice on a regular? Yeah, one of my favorite ones, and this comes from voice scientists, and they've, they've done research on this, but you can just take a straw, either like little coffee stir straws or a drinking straw, and if you're using a drinking straw, what I do is I just put my finger at the front tip and I just 
phonate or make sound into the straw like a kazoo. And what that will do is the straw is, is really narrow, and so it creates back pressure that comes back down on your vocal cords. It's like a little massage. When you feel your voice getting tired, that's a wonderful way to rejuvenate. Do that for 30 seconds or so. If you have to go in another meeting and you're feeling your voice get tired, it's a great way to get the voice going again. And then I've got uh, my book coming out, The Compelling Speaker. I also have different warm-up exercises in there. Okay. Uh, just kind of blow through a straw with, with yeah. your finger on the other end. Yeah, oh, and if you use cocktail straws, use a couple. What you want to feel, you don't want it to be, you don't want to have to force your voice through it. But when you do it, you should feel some resistance. You get a little bit of a bullfrog throat. You feel your cheeks will puff, but you're not mm -hmm. going to make a lot of effort to do that. If, if you do, then you're covering the straw too much with your finger, or, or if you're using cocktail straws, add another straw. Hmm. Okay. I will definitely try that. That's that's interesting because that's something that we kind of see children do. And it's funny how, you know, maybe nature has already given you some tips and tricks to, <laughs> but as we get older, we grow out of that kind of thing. So um, let's talk a little bit about your book um, that uh, you have coming out. Um, when will that be available to us and what's in it? So the book, um, possibly by the time the podcast comes out, it may be out. It should be available by uh, mid-August of this year. And it essentially goes through how your voice works, how to use these different elements that singers use in order to make your voice more interesting, to have it sound better, how to keep your voice healthy, how to emotionally connect on a deeper level with the listener so you can make more impact. Hmm. Okay. What would you say about maybe um, the way we speak? How do we train ourselves to not speak too fast or not speak too slow? How do we make sure that um, the way we speak and this rate that we toss out these words is applicable and accurate. And does it change based on the situation? It absolutely changes based on the situation. Um, tempo is a great device for a speaker. And I have exercises to go through in the book to practice this. The first step is just awareness. Very often, uh, when you have to give public presentations. Your first few tries, you may be a little nervous and you may find yourself racing through the material, talking very, very quickly. And you may hear yourself back or get some feedback and you think, okay, now I've got to slow down. And now you speak too slow. And if you think about music, there's constantly shifting and changing rates, right? As we get to the chorus, maybe, um, the notes speed up a little bit and the verses are a little slower, but there's, there's constantly contrast. So when you're speaking, let's say you can tell you're starting to lose the audience's attention a little bit. We can pick things up, move a little quicker, give little pauses. You're building up to a point and you wait. And so what we do is we create expectations 
with the listener, and then we don't exactly deliver on that expectation. And when you do that, when you get the feel for that, it's magic. You can keep people engaged. You can through your words, through the range that you're using, the notes, the tone, the tempo, all of these devices can reawaken that interest and keep people listening to you. Interesting. So you create the expectation, but you never really toss it out there. That keeps them waiting and, and anxious to get so what to get what you're promising. That is really interesting. Uh, I, I don't think I, for one, um, never realized that much goes into actually speaking and um, the way that you have to put things together. It's not so much what you say, it's how you say it. That is so interesting. It's very, very interesting. So is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with today, John? We've picked up a lot from you about speaking and we've got some exercises that we can go do and we know what not to do to, to, to our voice. We know a little bit more about how to take care of our voice and we understand how to eliminate that or at least quiet down that fear of speaking. So is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with today? I really want people to rediscover the music in their speaking voice. Music and speech, singing and speech, they're essentially extensions of the same thing. They think that our first attempts at language were actually sung and that they conveyed emotion and then it turned into speech. And it's all kind of interwoven. And so what makes music and great singers magic is also available in your speaking voice. And when you find the music in your voice, you don't have to become a singer. It's available for you as a speaker. But when you find this, you can grab people's attention. And then when you connect that with emotional honesty and these emotional intentions that make the voice vibrate on this beautiful level you can really inspire people and move people. Great. So we need to just work to find the music in our voice. I just like the way that sounds. So I'm going to definitely be working on that. And you've told us about your book. Would you give us the name of the book once again, please? It's The Compelling Speaker by John Henney. Okay. And it should be out in the next couple of months. Where, where can we get it again? Uh, Amazon. Okay. All right. So for those who really want to connect with you and maybe talk with you a little more and have some questions, uh, how could they reach you? Compellingspeaker.com. And there you can find, I've got downloadable uh, warmups. I also have a number of speaker tips and articles. And so it's a, it's a good resource to get started. Okay. So yeah, we can get in touch with you and maybe learn some warm-ups that we need to do before going into a meeting or before going on stage to speak or before starting our podcast that day. So that that's all such wonderful information, John. I really appreciate you joining me here today. We've uh, got a lot to, to move forward on about uh, how we communicate and, and, and the fear of speaking and the benefits of our conversations. And, you know, we're going to just definitely work to find the music in our voice. Wonderful. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, John. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Team Building Cultures. We hope we have delivered helpful and enlightening information to help you create your dream team. Join us next time 